Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Welcome back, Mr. Peterson. The Canadian psychology professor is somebody people love or love to hate. He's undeniably one of the greatest intellectual phenomenons on the planet right now. The requirement to speak in the politically correct manner is becoming overwhelming. You, you are a provocateur. I never say You're like anything. the old right that you hate to be compared to. What you've been trying to do is put me into a sequence of corners by accusing me of various forms of misbehavior. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 258. Out now in selected cinemas in Australia is The Rise of Jordan Peterson, a documentary that chronicles the transformation of Jordan Peterson from respected Canadian psychologist to worldwide phenomenon, who has amassed a legion of fans and detractors along the way. Joining me now to talk about The Rise of Jordan Peterson is the film's director, Patricia Makosha. Patricia, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's really interesting just reading up about the evolution of this film because you were actually doing a totally different documentary on Jordan before the Bill 16 um, bill passed and and turned everything just upside down for both your life and and Jordan's as well. Um, What documentary were you actually initially following him uh, before this whole thing happened? It was a very different film, so yes, turning everything upside down is an accurate way to put it. Uh, So I knew about Jordan's work uh, since 2003, back when I was a psychology undergraduate student studying at a university about an hour away from Toronto, so it wasn't at the, the university that Jordan was teaching at, but I came across his book, Maps of Meaning. And I found the ideas really fascinating. It was the perfect thing for uh, a young person like myself who was in this space of trying to figure out all the big questions, the existential questions, and finding my purpose and way in the world. And uh, his his ideas around the psychology of meaning and trying to understand the nature of evil, it all really resonated with me. And... For a long time, I felt that there was an interesting story there, in particular because of his introduction to Maps of Meaning. He talks about having had these nightmares as a teenager that were related to understanding this question of evil. And, and, and it was this this big existential question, but he took it very personally and seriously. And so I was curious not only about the larger questions, but also about the person behind these ideas that he was writing about. So finally, in 2015, I moved back to Toronto after having lived uh, on the West Coast for a few years, and I decided, okay, it's, it's time to finally approach him and see what this this nagging idea at the back of my mind is. And I, uh, I went to some of his classes, and then I approached him afterwards talking about this documentary idea, and we had some meetings. And then uh, later I met his wife and uh, showed some film work, and, and we decided, okay, let's, let's get this started. And then after learning more about what was happening in his life at the time, he told me about the fact that he was adding a third story to his home, and it was being modeled after an indigenous longhouse. So I thought, okay, this is interesting. And as part of this um, this addition, there were a lot of totem poles and masks and really sacred uh, pieces being carved as part of this this uh, addition to his home being done by his friend, Charles Joseph, who's part of the Kwakwakwak tribe. And Charles, his family, was actually going to adopt Jordan into his family because there's certain protocols that had to be followed if he was going to be passing on these 
you know, really sacred um, carvings to him, and, and the relationship had reached that level. So I thought, all of this sounds really interesting. I'm going to focus on that in my documentary. And even though I came from a starting place of being interested in some of the ideas Jordan talked about, I thought I would like to explore how do these ideas manifest when lived out in someone's life. So I was following this friendship between the two of them, I filmed the, the secret potlatch ceremony where uh, this brotherhood became official. And then a year and a half later, Jordan came out with these Professor Against Political Correctness videos where he criticized Bill C-16, uh, the, the human rights legislation in Canada, among other things. And, and that's when everything changed. It came as a, a big shock to me. I didn't know the videos were going to come out. And certainly all of the, the pushback afterwards as well. So there were... There were rallies happening on campus. There was all of this news coming out. Jordan Peterson's name suddenly became this name that divided up a room, and there was so much tension. And I started filming these events at that point, not realizing yet that it was going to be another film, but pretty soon after I did realize, okay, I need to put what I was doing on hold, and I need to start a completely new film here to try to make sense of this new phenomenon that's emerging. Jordan's life is very much pre and post Bill C-16. There's no doubt about that. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's we, a good way to put it. Yeah, and when you go inside his home, it's really interesting how a lot of his walls are adorned with these kind of socialist, uh, realist paintings. And it's, it really seems mm-hmm. to me that that kind of thing really holds really deep with him, the idea of um, government-controlled language, especially in regards to the Bill 16 um, uh, ruling. Um, how much of this, in your opinion, from what you saw, is a so much, not I don't know if you'll call it a moral crusade, but very much a line in the sand issue for Jordan that if he didn't speak out, it, he just couldn't live with himself? I think that's also a good way to put it. I think um, he he frames it as though, um, you know, there, there's which one is the lesser evil? There's there's the consequences that could happen if you don't speak out, and then there's the consequences that could happen if you do speak out. And he felt that he would rather deal with the consequences of him choosing to speak out. So definitely. Um, you know, the, the fact that he's got all those paintings throughout his home, he likes to to keep it there as a reminder of, of how bad things can get and how fundamental be, telling the truth really is. Although um, it's interesting because now uh, some new renovations are happening in their home, and uh, I think the, those paintings, his wife has now kind of said, well, you know, we don't need to have those paintings throughout the entire house. They can they can just stay in one room. Mm. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that's enough for, for them to be right there. By the time you started filming Jordan's life to when this movie has come out, There's been so many hours of Jordan Peterson material out there on YouTube. He has lectures, interviews. Mm -hmm. We know about the man's philosophies. We know about him as a psychologist. What I really love about your documentary is that it delves into the the person behind the, Mm -hmm. the persona. And where that really shines through is when he's with his family. And I think when he's around his wife, Tammy in particular... She is such a calming presence um, compared to Jordan, very intense individual that he is. So that's kind of the perception that I have of him anyway. When Tammy's around him, what happens to Jordan? Does he get a chance to kind of just relax, reflect, and just kind of 
is she the counter to the, just the whirlwind of his life that what that is at this moment? I would say that Tammy is his rock. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like for him to go through all of this without her. Even even in the the simple day to day things when they would be touring together, he would have no idea what he was doing the next day. He you know keep keeping track of what he was doing on that day was enough, and and he would go to Tammy and rely on Tammy. For a lot of things, just to keep him grounded, and they've known each other for a very, very long time. They've known each other since they were eight years old. They lived across the street from each other, growing up in small town, northern Alberta. And Jordan told his dad when he was eight years old, "I'm going to marry her," hmm. and he eventually did. Although it took asking her three times, I believe, before she said yes. But they, you know, they their relationship goes back so long. They know each other so well. So she is definitely his rock. What I also love about your documentary is that you give time to those who are against Jordan Peterson's position. Um, And I think that's a really important thing to do to show both sides um, of this story. Um, How important was it for you to be able to reach out to Jordan's uh, opposition, if I can say that word? And what was their initial reactions to you um, when you did um, contact them? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was it was essential to include those voices in the film, and it wasn't easy, especially in the first year when things were so tense and the the approach that a lot of the opposition to what Jordan was saying, the approach they were taking was, well, don't give a platform to Jordan Peterson. So if I come along as a filmmaker saying I'm looking at this topic, it's hard for me to not be put into that same category. So it was difficult to earn trust from people. And although I did come into this from a place initially uh, where, you know, I, I came into it knowing Jordan's work first and being a fan of his work. But at the same time, I genuinely approached the topics that he was criticizing from a place of, well, I really, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he's saying here. And I think there are criticisms that are valid, but I think there are points he's raising that are valid. And I genuinely wanted to hear the different sides that were involved in this and how it was affecting different sides. So I, I just did my best reaching out to people, expressing where I was coming from, expressing that I really wanted to understand the situation at a deeper level and that I thought these different voices were important. So it was it was difficult and it took time. Even with Lane Patrickon, who is the young non-binary activist who's uh, prominently featured in the film, for them, they initially agreed to being in the film, but then decided... It, things became more and more stressful for them as they became more involved with protests happening in the city at that time, and then they didn't want to be involved in the film anymore. And I respected that, and I didn't want to push them, of course, to do anything that they didn't want to do, but I asked if I could just continue keeping in touch with them because I wanted to at least understand how it was affecting their life, and that would give me um, better perspective as a filmmaker. But then after about a year... Lane decided that they did want to participate in the film, and they almost thought it was a a kind of ethical duty, even though they didn't necessarily agree with the approach that I was taking uh, in the film, uh, because it primarily focused on Jordan Peterson. Um, But I, I respected the fact that they 
said that and still decided to participate. And so I even included that that uh, perspective in the film itself and sort of broke the fourth wall and uh, brought up that criticism. Um, so it took a, a lot of time and, and patience and um, openness to to make sure to include those voices in the film. I read that you shot over 110 hours of footage. Is that correct? Um, I should probably count it and then I can confirm that number for you. Um, but uh, certainly uh, hundreds of hours of footage uh, would be accurate, yeah. I'm really obsessed in regards to the editing process. When it comes to editing down all that material down to say, well, look, you had two different edits. You had your TV edit, which I think was around 50 minutes, the feature films that were under mm-hmm. 90 um, when it comes to that, how do you edit? Do you have a roadmap? Do you just look at your footage? How do you go about doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did create a, a roadmap, but it, it, you know, the film was written and rewritten countless times, um, not only throughout the process of filming as the film started going in different directions, but then when it came down to editing, what I found helpful was to edit down scenes, so to take chunks and, and, and themes and, and create scenes out of them and, and break those down, and then to see which ones stand out as the strongest scenes, which ones do we know really has something that absolutely just has to be in there, which ones are the ones that you know need something more. And so there was a bit of a process of elimination there. But also when putting them together, you start to see which ones are the scenes that kind of stick out that... Um, you know, require, so for example, one of the questions we get asked at some of these events is, well, why didn't you include something about Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris's discussions, or why didn't you include what happened at Wilfrid Laurier University with Lindsay Shepard? And of course, a lot of people have been following along online, so there's some things that they know about that we don't cover in the film. And with the Lindsay Shepard issue, for example, that we, we did go there and interview her and interview others, but it, it took up so much space in the film. And when we realized we were focusing on Jordan Peterson, the, the person, and this really intimate look behind the scenes of what it was like going through all of this, that was something that, that stuck out that, okay, well, you know, this is interesting. Maybe this could be a DVD extra or something like that, but it doesn't really belong in this film. So so going through a process like that, it was painful, but it helped us to really narrow down and be focused so that we could tell a coherent story. Well, Patricia, I think you just did a great job with this documentary. For everyone out there listening, you can go to fan-force.com, find out where these um, where Rise of Jordan Peterson is screening, and also demand a screening for your own city. I know worldwide um, um, you guys are really pushing people to make sure that cinemas have this film in their um, in their in their theaters and um, to make sure that people can watch it um, everywhere that they can. And Patricia, Patricia I, I thank you very much for your time today. And once again, thank you uh, very much for your documentary. Thank you so much for having me.